and welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number 24. And I have four spooky stories for you today. And story number one comes from Nicole. I've always lived in places with other people until about May this year, when I managed to get a small two-bed house to myself. For a while, things seemed to be pretty normal. I slept with the bedroom door open to begin with when I decided to have a move around and switch bedrooms. I just couldn't figure out how I wanted things set up. I had some plastic bags leaning against my wall. I woke up at around 3am and suddenly a couple came flying down towards me. I wrote this off as a breeze had caught them or something like that. But when thinking about it more and more, that was the only time it happened. I now sleep with my door closed because fuck that. I use tension poles for curtains because I'm not that confident in myself putting up a proper rail. Occasionally I'll go into my now craft room to see this lying on the floor and when I pick it up to put it back up it holds really well. I was trying to take some logic from it like maybe the wind had caught it or maybe I dislodged it slightly but each time it's happened I've not really been in that room at all that day. I have a mirror in my bathroom that has a flick over latch with shutters on if that makes sense. I've walked into the bathroom in the morning to the mirror being open. I prefer it closed because I don't have to look at morning me then. Of course, logical thinking clicked in. Maybe I hadn't fully closed it the night before, but it keeps happening. The one that's really scared me is the most recent incident. I went to work, nothing out of place, and I came home to my mirror broken in the bathtub. I've obviously tried to come up with any answer, like the string snapped that holds it up, until I saw the wiring from the fairy lights that went around it. It was as if someone, more like something, had cut it. I've tried pulling at it with some force to see if I can do exactly what happened, but it's too strong. I think it might be my gran popping in to check in and mess with me. She was a clumsy lady at times, and loved mucking around with her grandkids, no matter how old we were. I sometimes have a chat with her photo which I keep on top of my freezer in the lounge. I got some ice out for coffee this morning and the TV was fully off until I was talking to her, saying that I hoped she would be proud of me and everything I have achieved so far. The news then came on out of nowhere. It was about student finance at the time. I think in her weird way it was her saying she is proud of me even though I didn't finish university and is pleased I've started a college course in something I'm super interested in pursuing for work. Listen Nicole, I'm just going to tell you this. Your morning face is beautiful. You look at that morning face and you love it because that is your face and it is stunning. I appreciate your Nana being clumsy in life and then doing those sort of seemingly clumsy acts in the afterlife to be like, hello, I'm here and I'm just going to make things a little bit weird and freaky around here just as a little bit of a joke. I like it. I'm into it. And maybe she is coming back to say to you, hey, I am really proud of you for all the things you've achieved. That's what you want to take away from all this. And uh, I have to say, living on your own is a weird one because lots of things happen around the house where you're like, huh, I don't understand how this has happened and I am the only person that has been here for quite some time. So I'm just going to choose to ignore it. I think it's one of the perils of living on your own. And story number two comes from Courtney. I'm listening to episode 52 and this episode made me think of my story of possible guardian angels. I'm from Colorado and I'm in no way religious. I was raised Christian, 
but when my father left, so did my interest in religion. However, I know there is something out there, I just don't know what it is. I am now 23 years old, but when I was 16, my 15-year-old brother sadly took his own life. It was so hard and still is, but I knew after it happened that I felt his presence like it was always just there. About a year ago, I was dog-sitting in a smaller Colorado town and I was leaving to head to work. I pulled up to a red light and intended to go left when I got the green arrow. I usually just go when the light turns green without a second thought. This day, however, I felt someone making me wait a couple of more seconds after the light had turned green. Five to ten seconds later, a semi-truck went through their red light going extremely fast and not blowing their horn to signal that they were going through the light. Semi-trucks can't stop as fast, so I understand, but if I had went... I would have died that day by being hit full speed by a semi-truck driver. I believe to this day that it was my younger brother looking after me. He would have been 22 and I wish I could experience so much with him but I know he is at peace and continues to watch out for myself and my family. My other stories have ghosts that I don't think were the kindest but this feeling that saved my life I know was my brother watching over me. Like I said I'm not religious but I have no answers to what happens after death because no one does. But I know someone has to be watching over me. Oh, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that with your brother, Courtney. And I kind of, I have to say I agree with you. Like, I'm not a religious person. I have that old, like, residual Catholic religiousness about me from being raised in Catholic Ireland. But I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I don't have any answers as to what happens after death. And I don't think that anybody does. But I think something happens and I think of all things that you would feel you would know the feeling of your brother trying to protect you you would know that and it sounds like he really did because if you had pulled out in front of that truck that was you were a goner that was it for you it was over for you and I could imagine it was somebody watching over you and I hope that it brings you some bit of comfort to feel like he is going to be there watching over you all the time and story number three comes from Nolans. You ever have a dream where you know you're dreaming, but you can feel whatever emotion you're having as if you're awake? In July of 2011, I was going through some problems in my life that had me very depressed. When I was dreaming one night, one of my younger cousins popped into my dream and hugged me saying everything was going to be alright big cuz. I started crying and smiling at the same time both in and out of the dream. It eased my mind. I hadn't seen them in about a month. Two days later, I was riding my motorcycle from Albany, Georgia to my last duty station in Jacksonville, North Carolina while I was in the Marines. It was about a six or seven hour ride. I was crossing the state line of South Carolina and North Carolina when my phone rang. I answered through the Bluetooth in my helmet and it was one of my cousins. I was thinking they were just checking up on me but they proceeded to tell me that the other cousin had died from an overdose of pills. I pulled into a rest stop to soak it in. I said, okay, hung up, looked up, and said, thanks, little cousin. I was in the hospital with my mom, basically on her deathbed for three days. I got a call, so I left the room to answer. It was one of my aunts telling me my great aunt had passed away and not to tell my mom. And of course, I agreed. Later that night, my aunt came to visit and check up on my mom. 
She woke my mom up and asked her how she was feeling and my mom said, I'm feeling good. Our aunt told me it's not my time and I should go back. All me and my aunt could do was look at each other with what the hell looks on our faces. My aunt asked who told you that and my mom said that their aunt did. I'm a scary movie lover. One of my favourites is It, not the newer ones, the 1991 with Tim Curry as Pennywise. I was working for a satellite company and I had to do the inventory and restocking of equipment for the installation vehicles one night. To do that, we drove the vehicles into the warehouse, do what needed to be done and then drove them out to the respective parking spots. It was about 1am and I was driving out the last one. This night, I was by myself. As I was walking back to the warehouse, I saw a red balloon just floating towards me, eye level, not about to float into the sky. It stayed at the same eye level, just floating my way. It slowly passed me by, staying at the same level and continued on wherever it was going. Now, I am a 6 foot 4, 275 pound guy that does not scare easy, but that night I said nope and quickly walked my ass back into the warehouse, got my stuff, locked up and got the hell out of there. Got a confession to make, Nolans. I haven't seen the 1990 version of it. I do need to watch it. I know I need to watch it. Tim Curry is a legend. I need to watch it. This story, this last bit of the story has really reminded me of, do you guys remember when there was that whole clown phase where people were like dressing up as clowns and trying to scare other people and running after people with knives and stuff? It was so weird. That was so weird. How did that even happen? I had to do like assemblies in school with my kids because they were so freaked out by it and be like, you're okay. A clown is not going to to come and get you. You are fine. That was so weird. I think there is something about dreams that we still don't understand. And it does sound like your cousin came to check in on you came to tell you that things were going to be okay and came to look after you and same with your mom and your great aunt like we don't know what is there we don't know what's on the other side you know we don't know what happens after you die so I think sometimes you just got to accept that strange things happen around death and that it's okay to kind of accept that in in death your loved ones will reach out to you and communicate with you if they feel like they need to and that's okay And story number four comes from Anna and Aaron. In 2012, my husband and my two-year-old son moved into a modest two-bedroom and one-bathroom floor-level apartment. It wasn't in the best area, but it's what we could afford. Soon enough, we began experiencing the effects of an intensely negative energy that was there. Usually at night, I would experience intense anger, rage at times. I spent so much time being angry during the nearly two years we lived there that I barely remember any good experiences. We both began to have nightmares, like nothing either of us had ever experienced. All of our nightmares took place in our apartment exactly as we had furnished it. The worst of these for me was one where a group of murderers broke into our home and tied us up on chairs each in a different room. I was in the centre of our living room tied tightly painfully and naked to my dining chair. I could feel the burning of the rough rope digging into my skin and could hear my son and husband screaming as they were being tortured in bedrooms. Two men began slowly circling me and began sewing, cutting pieces of my skin off with serrated blades. 
They laughed degradingly as they cut and tossed aside pieces from my lower leg and ankle, my thigh, my arm and then my nipple. I felt each painful cut and eventually woke up screaming. While I had no marks, I remembered the pain. Our relationship suffered. I was always angry as I've said and we fought a lot. I spent as little time in the apartment as possible. I remember many nights I'd sit outside in my car dreading going inside after long hours at work. I stayed up as late as possible each night, fearing to fall asleep, hoping if I passed out from exhaustion I'd have a dreamless sleep. I would receive calls from restricted numbers that were sometimes silent, but usually a man could be heard breathing. When I was alone in the apartment, I often felt on edge like something catastrophic was about to happen. I lived in perpetual fear of the unknown, of sleep, and with unexplained rage. When my husband had nightmares, he would flee from the bedroom away from me to go and sleep on the couch. He recalled a nightmare where he and my sister were sitting on the couch and she turned to him and asked if he was ready to pledge his love to Bathsheba. Her face then twisted and changed into something evil and terrifying and a loud boom woke him up. He and I were positioned, laying on our sides, facing each other. When he opened his eyes, he was greeted by me, inches from his face, asleep with my eyes wide open. I was muttering incoherently, still fast asleep. I'd like to point out I shared a room with my sister for years, had sleepovers, and I've never been told I talk in my sleep, nor sleep with my eyes open. After my husband woke from his nightmares, he'd almost always hear me talking in the dark or find me in strange positions. Once as he tried to catch his breath after a nightmare and reposition to get comfortable and go back to sleep, he noticed that I was laying across the bed the wrong way on my stomach, propped up on my forearms facing the wall. I told someone or something, no, it's mine, it's mine. And at that point he said, nope, fuck that, grabbed a blanket and ran to the couch. The most memorable event was I woke my husband because I was again talking loudly in my sleep. He saw me laying flat on my back and a black mist hovering over my body. He froze, blinked and tried to grasp what he was seeing. The mass slowly evaporated. He was afraid to tell me but eventually did after I told him I had horrible nightmares that night. I just remembered that they were bloody and gory and I was afraid. After this I bought an old video camera from a pawn shop that took VHS tapes and recorded myself sleeping for a couple of nights, hoping to catch myself talking in my sleep or the black mist. Nothing to report. We never saw anything on the tapes. We then moved out. I was afraid that whatever we were dealing with would follow us to our new home, but thankfully it didn't. I don't know what happened there before we moved in or why it manifested in such a way, but I can say we haven't experienced anything like that since. That sounds absolutely horrendous. And if anyone listening suffers from sleep issues or has nightmares or night terrors or sleep paralysis... You know how horrendous it is when you're afraid to go to sleep. When you're like, I'm going to stay up as late as possible because when I close my eyes, I don't know what's going to happen and I really don't want to have to go through that. That is honestly one of the worst feelings in the world. And what the fuck was in that house that you guys were both having these crazy nightmares and when your husband was having them, you're like, you know, wandering around the house and and like talking to something in your sleep and lying there with your eyes open and what is going on there? Isn't Bathsheba uh, a demon or a witch? I think it's a witch. 
I think, from The Conjuring. Am I making that up? No, I think she is. I don't think I am making that up. Well, anyway, I'm glad they all stopped when you left the house because I don't know what you'd do if you left the house and it was all still going on. And I'm dying to know, like, who lives there now? Are they experiencing things? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Nicole, Courtney, Nolans, Anna and Aaron for sending in your stories. Remember, if you'd like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you can get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I will see you tomorrow.